want to welcome you this morning. Uh, man, I hope things are going well for you. I invite you again to take your Bible. Turn to the book of Ephesians chapter 2. I believe God has a great word for you. The family of grace, you know our heart's desire is to continue to break through those cultural and social barriers to help people become all that God is destined them to be. We hope this message this morning will help do that in your life and see great things happen. Ephesians chapter 2. <clears throat> We're going to pick up there. Actually, we're going through our sermon series this summer. It's dealing with Ephesians, and uh, we're going through the book of Ephesians. We do that during the summer. It's easy for you to, to stay, you know, right where we're at, chapter, week after week. And uh, we've been doing a couple things new. Thank you for everybody who's been participating in our online uh, worship, and uh, great things are happening there when you're out of town. Well, I'm a happy pastor today. Uh, man, it's good to have all of our family here, a lot coming in on one Sunday, the first service was full, and uh, thank you to our, our college family that uh, came in today just to come home, amen? I know you've been at your physical home, but it's good to have you at your spiritual home today, and uh, we're excited for school to start so that you can come back, <laughs> and I know you're not, but we're lo- we get lonesome around here, and uh, so anyway, it's good to have you here today, and uh, Chapter 2, beginning in chapter 2, was dealt with this week in our Going Deeper series. Um, <clears throat> I hope you, thank you for those of you who's been connecting with that. You've been sharing that on Facebook, sharing that with your friends. And uh, our goal is that we want to go deeper every week. And so we, we preach the sermon on Sunday, and then different people are coming in, and we're doing a more in-depth Bible study during the week. It's gone out in a couple of videos during the week. So if you want more information about that, see them in the foyer at the end of service. But uh, we dealt with verses 1 through 8 or 1 through 9 in the going deeper this week. And today I want us to pick up in verse 10. In verse 10. Ephesians chapter 2 in verse 10 says this. For we are His creation. His workmanship. His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Which God prepared ahead of time. He predestined you not for hell, but that you could be a trophy of grace. He predestined you to be in the image of Christ, and we've dealt with that in the previous uh, chapter. But here's what it says, that ahead of time, that we should walk in them. Now, as we go a little bit further and we continue to look at this, he says so Because you were created to be his workmanship, then remember that at one time you were a Gentile. To put that in modern times, one time you were a knucklehead. One time you were in the flesh a spiritual enemy of God. You were called the uncircumcised and by those who were circumcised, which is done in the flesh by human hands. You weren't in the inner circle. And then it goes on a little bit further. In verse 12, and at that time you were without the Messiah. You were excluded from the citizenship of Israel. You didn't make the cut. And foreigners to the covenants and the promises of God the Father. There you were with no hope. I want you to underline that. No hope. Matter of fact, go a little bit further and circle that. There was no hope. And you were without God in this world. Wow. No hope and without God. But, I love that little conjunction in the Word of God. 
But when we were with no hope, now in Christ Jesus, you who were far away have been brought near by the blood of Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Wow. For he is our peace, who made both groups one. From two groups, he made them one. And he tore down the dividing wall of hostility in the flesh. In the flesh. He made of no effect the law consisting of the commandments and the expressed in regulation so that he might create in himself one new man from the two resulting in peace. Wow. He did so that he might reconcile both to God in one body through the cross and put the hostility to death by it. Could it get any better? When Christ came, he proclaimed the good news of peace to you who are far away and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access by one spirit, the Father. Oh my goodness. So then you are no longer a foreigner. You are no longer a stranger. But fellow citizens with the saints and members of God's household built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets with Jesus Christ himself as the cornerstone. The whole building being put together by him who grows in a holy sanctuary in the Lord. We've been looking at this sermon series through Ephesians dealing with seven pillars, the seven pillars of our faith. The seven pillars of your faith that if you will grasp these pillars, it will totally give you the strength that you need. We have these pillars up here behind us that are symbolic of the pillars of the great temple Diana that was located right there in the middle of the city of Ephesus. The temple of Diana who worshipped and was the sex goddess and who participated in sexual orgies and all those things that went along with the sexual act in the temple of Diana. And we looked at this in the great pillars. As a matter of fact, if you look at where the great temple of Diana once stood today, there is one pillar that remains. One pillar. Yet it was such a, a, a majestical temple that it was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. But today there's only one little rubbish of a pillar that's left. There's only one little spot that marks the place where this great temple once dwelt. Today, I want you to understand that if your pillars are not built upon the foundation of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, it will be like the pillars of the great temple, Diana. They will not stand the test of time. The shifting sands and the winds of the world will overcome, overrule, and overthrow. But today, you and I, we are not without hope, even though many people feel they have no hope because our hope is built on nothing less than the cornerstone of Jesus Christ and His righteousness. Today, my friends, as we begin to think about this, God is wanting to do a special work. And last week, we looked at how the first pillar was the fact that God wanted to have a body and to reconcile the body and how it was God who initiated the act of us who were enemies becoming sons. And it was Jesus Christ who made it possible and it was the Holy Spirit that keeps us. And we looked at how through that, He could form the body of Christ. Today, 
The second thing we want us to look at is understanding the temple. If you're going to make it in your Christian life, if you're going to make it through the white waters of, of life, then you have to understand something very fundamental. That your success is not in what's trending. Your success is not in what's going viral. Your success is what is the ancient of days. Your success are, is in the ancient landmarks that he said don't move them. It's the fundamental tenets of the faith. Your success is not found in religion. Your success is not found in denomination. Your success is not found in theology of man, but in the theology of the Word of God. In the Christology, Jesus Christ, your soteriology, the finished work of Calvary, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. It is the ancient landmark. It is the thing that we hope or we place all of our hope in. For temples change. The place where God desireth to dwell changes. Matter of fact, you may remember the first place that we were really able to see it visibly was when the children of Israel were going through the wilderness and in the daytime there was this huge cloud that hovered over them to keep them cool in the day. And at night there was this huge pillar of fire that went about them at night to keep them warm. I mean, listen, God understood central air conditioning and heating way before. I mean, He wouldn't control, He wasn't trying to keep one little building cool and warm. He was keeping the whole area where His children were at a constant temperature that made them comfortable so that they could make their journey through the wilderness and go all that time and not even wear out a pair of sandals. Boy, you ladies, that's a bad, that's a bad 40 years. Amen? Same pair of shoes. And so as we think about this, we begin to connect these dots, and here's what's interesting. And it was at that point it was visible. Then we move over, and it goes a little further, and it was the Ark of the Covenant. I mean, you know the Ark. I mean, God gave specific instructions concerning the Ark. I mean, that Ark of the Covenant was made with a special wood. It was overlaid with gold, had the cherubims on it. I mean, I could spend a whole series just on the Ark of the Covenant. But just understand this, it was a pretty interesting sight to see. And even though God was omnipotent, He had such an express interest to dwell between the cherubims. Matter of fact, in such a way that you remember in the book of 1 Samuel, when the Ark of the Covenant was there and the, the children of Israel went out and they, they got a, a good case of a whipping by the Philistines, they said, oh my goodness, we forgot God. And so they ran back home and they picked up the Ark of the Covenant and they went back to the battlefield and they said, we've got God now, we're going to win. The only problem was they didn't realize that God wasn't there their waiter, that he wasn't their bellhop. And so they were defeated that day, and the ark of God was captured by the Philistines. Matter of fact, the Bible says that uh, Eli was overwhelmed. The ark of God was captured. He fell off a stump, broke his neck. The kids were born to his knuckleheaded children, and uh, one of his knuckleheaded children, and he named that child Ichabod, which meant the glory of God has left us. And when we look at that, it went back, and, and you know that story. I mean, I'm not going to spend a lot of time on here, but they took that ark, and they brought it in the temple of Dagon, and they set it there, and boy, there was the, the ark of the power of the children of Israel, and there was their wooden stump, Dagon. I mean, and there was so much power in that ark that the next morning, when nobody, with the help of nobody, they came in, and there was that wooden stump, Dagon, face forward, in front of the ark of the covenant. And they're like, oh my goodness. I, I mean, they were like, Dagon, get up, man. They stood him back up. And, you know, but, Act like a man. Act like a God. What do you mean? Well, I mean, that's probably what I would have said. Come on, man. You're our 
You're our hero. You're Dagon. What do you mean? Worshiping at this ark. And so they stood him up. And the next day they came back. And you know the story. He was down face forward. And his arms were gone. They were cut off. Oh, my goodness. And, and then all of a sudden, the plagues began to hit the Philistines. And they're like, man, I don't know what we've done, but we're getting rid of this ark. And the power of God was so strong between the ark of the covenant, it began to plague the Philistines. And then all of a sudden, they said, they took that ark, they placed it on a cart, they hooked it to two milk cows. And the milk cows knew the way back home by the power of God that dwelt upon the cart, driven by God right back to the children of Israel. And while the children of Israel saw it coming, they're like, oh my goodness, the ark's coming back, it's coming back. And then you know that story, they were still not very smart, and they went and threw themselves on the ark, and God got mad about that, and a bunch of them were struck. Yeah, here's what I'm saying. If God was that upset about the treatment of his spirit in a box, I wonder how he feels now that we're the temple. Now, let's go a little bit further with this because, I mean, this box was special. I mean, I mean it's, it drove Indiana Jones crazy, amen? I mean, he's been looking for that ark, trying to find it. Trying to find it. I personally believe it's probably up in the portal of glory. God just took that sucker up out of here. And, I mean, he's been looking for that sucker. And then when we think about this, he wanted the ark because the ark represented the presence and the power of a triune God. He may want it for the wrong reasons, but he knew what it represented. And then we move over a little bit further. We fast forward ahead of time. And all of a sudden, David's like, I want to build this temple to God. At first, there's a place to put the ark. But then it became much more than that. And there was this great temple. And I mean, listen, there's no temple, no mega church has ever built a building that can compare to what David had prepared for Solomon to build. He wasn't able to build it. God allowed him to prepare it, but he couldn't build it because he had shed much blood. His boy Solomon built it. The glory of God, the Shekinah glory of God settled in on that place, and the power of God was there, and, and you know that story. As a matter of fact, we fast forward to some of the prophets, and he's like, come on guys, you live in paneled houses, and my temple lies in ruins. And then we move on down the road and we know that the, the Jewish people used it and, and there was this great veil in the temple and it was the Holy of Holies, the intimate place and the power of God was so strong behind that very thick veil that only the high priest could go into that Holy of Holies once a year and it was so, it was so intense with the power of God behind that veil that they would tie a rope around the high priest's foot in case he wouldn't write with God when he got in there and God struck him. Nobody else wanted to go in and get him so they'd just pull him out by the rope. But now, in these latter times, God doesn't want to dwell in a box of a of wood, even if it is overcome with gold. He doesn't want to dwell in a magnificent temple. He doesn't want to dwell in a, in a temple of gold and all these things. Matter of fact, the Bible says, and we read it, that he came and he removed the wall. What wall? Well, there's two walls that he came and he, rem he removed. First of all, he came and he removed the wall of separation between man and God, which was sin. The Bible says in Isaiah chapter 59, it's not that my ear is too dull that it cannot hear you. It's not that my arm is too short that it cannot reach down and save you. But your sin has created a barrier between me and God. 
He came, he wanted to abolish that wall with the finished work of Calvary. The second wall was that religion stood in the way. I'm telling you that Jesus Christ did not go to the cross. He did not suffer in Pilate's hall. He did not go through the affliction of the cat of nine tails and the scourging that they put him through. He did not die on the cross of Calvary for you to only have access through a religion, a preacher or any other man, but through Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I am telling you that he went to the cross of Calvary to institute the priesthood of the believer, not that you could live any way you want to, but that we who were once far off might have access to a holy God that through his death, his burial, and his resurrection, he could take the two and make them one through his finished act. And a God who was a holy and just God and a man who was an unjust man might become justified through the justifier of Jesus Christ. Give him praise for that in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen? God is up to something in your life. God is up to something in my life. He came and he removed that. The Bible says when he was on the cross at Calvary at the veil of the temple, that veil that protected the Holy of Holies was rent from the top to the bottom so that we who were once far off, we who were once aliens, we who were once enemies, we who were once knuckleheads, we who were once sinners, we who were once addicts might have access through his spirit and his son. My goodness, that's good stuff. All right. So now that I've given you that introduction, let me give you four things I want you to write down about this. Four things. Number one, in order to build anything, there's the exploration that has to happen. My wife and I, for a couple of years, have been toying with the idea of building a home. Probably one of the reasons that we have not built a home is because we just hadn't found the place that we want to build it. We put our house on the market, we didn't sell it, we wouldn't upset because we really didn't know where we would have went if we did sell it. And we've gone through a lot of detail looking for the perfect place. You, you know what I'm talking about, the perfect place. Matter of fact, one time we thought we found the perfect place. And we went and, and, and I found it and I went and took my wife and then we went and looked at it and then we come back and we took the kids and we got out there with a long 100 foot measuring tape and man we measured it off and, and I mean now we weren't really official. We looked around and found a couple of limbs and we stuck them in the ground you know and said okay here would be one corner of the house and here would be the other corner and no we don't like the way that so we would turn it and remeasure it. Let's put the house at an angle to where it has the best view coming up this way. Oh you, you, you're picking up what I'm putting down huh? I mean, you just you just playing with it. How do I get it there? And we, we really like that, and we're like, nah, never mind. And so it was, we're, we was in this whole exploring phase where we, where we were exploring the best place to put a home. We haven't moved anywhere because we've not found the best place. When people, are look, when people were looking for a place to put a church, matter of fact, the religious crowd, when we put this church here, they said, oh my goodness, preacher, how in the world could you put a church next to the adult video store? I said, how in the world could you put your church across the street from another church? And somebody says, how do you find this place? Well, it was this exploring process, this exploring process. And then, I mean, I remember just walking around this neighborhood, driving around this neighborhood after God spoke to me, and we found this place. Matter of fact, when we were going through the demolition phase of this, I, I came in here, and I was standing right here, matter of fact, and there was a bobcat right here, and a guy came in, and he said, boy, the Holy Spirit must have missed it on this one. I thought, oh, my goodness. I said, what are you talking about? He said, well, he told me I was supposed to have this building. I said, well, it looks like you were a little late. 
So as we were went through this exploring phase of finding this is the place that we put our family, we position our family here to break through the cultural, racial, and social barriers to say, you know what, we're not looking for one type. We want to be like heaven. We want to reach everybody. We want everybody pink and green, the meanest ones we've ever seen, to be able to come here and say, that's my family. I mean, you know what about family? You don't get to pick them. I mean, you end up with the good, the bad, the ugly, and the crazy. I mean, listen, and they're still family. You can try to unown them, but they're still family. And God called us to be a family, the family of God, a family of God, a family of God. He didn't say go get all the ones like you. Don't go get all the ones that want to do what you do. He said make a family out of everybody. Now, the exploration phase. Now, understand this. When God was exploring for the place to put his temple, there was a great deal of detail that went into Solomon's temple and the place of it. When he was exploring the place to put his temple, and we could talk a lot about that today, but I'm not going to, he, he, think of all the picturesque places in the world. All the beautiful mountaintops, all the sceneries, all of those places. When we think about all of those places in the world, when God said, I want to build my temple, I want to put my temple, I mean, in the most beautiful place, I mean, God created it all. There's places that he knows about that man's not even discovered that is so beautiful. He could have put his temple there. But you know what? It's just like when we've been looking for the perfect place to put our home and we're so picky we still hadn't found it. God was looking for the place to put his temple and he went and he began to walk the dark hills. He began to walk the highways and the hedges. He began to walk into the places. Listen, when man says, oh, we could put our temple in the Smoky Mountains, I believe that God kicked open the back door of the bar room. He walked into the smoke-filled room and said, I believe I could make a temple out of that person. I believe I could make a temple out of that person. I believe I could put a temple in that person. When he looked at the drug addict, when he looked at the drunk, when he looked at the prostitute, when he looked at the man who was in white collar crimes when he looked at the person who thought he had it all together and didn't need God God walked into that place in the exploration phase exploring for an unfound territory and said I believe I want my Holy Spirit to take up residence in that life whoo mercy I can't believe that the Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 for do you not know that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost now, this doesn't make a lot of sense to us, but oh, let me give you a little background here. Paul is preaching this stuff at the doorsteps of one of the greatest temples in all the world, the Temple Diana. Now, you thought, you know, you think, man, how am I going to compete with this church? And how am I going to compete with that church? And how am I going to draw a crowd when that church has more to offer and this and that? Listen, listen, you talk about how a drawing card. Paul was preaching in front of a temple that was so great, it was one of the seven wonders of the world, the ancient world. Now, that's a pretty grand temple. Now, I've been in some big churches. I remember the first time I ever walked in Bellevue, Baptist Church in Memphis, Tennessee. I walked in the foyer and thought, wow, I could put two of my churches in this foyer. There's been some grand churches in this world. But I am telling you that Paul was preaching at the doorstep of a temple that was so majestic that they rated it as one of the seven wonders of the ancient world and talk about a drawing card for a men's ministry they were able to go in the temple have sex in the temple with the temple goddess and all the things that was going on in there how do you compete with that 
I mean, we're not talking about virtual sex. We're talking about literal sex. I mean, it was right there under the pillars of that temple. They, they were walking out of that temple. I mean, can you see that? That, that, that morning they coming out of the temple, Diana, and boy, they're strutting their stuff, and Paul's preaching his gospel and says, I want you to know something. I believe that you could be the temple of the Holy God. And Paul, don't you know those guys were like, man, wait, what, what? Me? Temple? No, 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 that's the temple. That's the temple. Matter of fact, if you go over in the book of Acts from our first sermon on this and you, you look at that, it says, do you not know that the temple of the great goddess is in danger? Because this, Paul's preaching a message that Diana really isn't a god. I mean, you talk about having a tough crowd to compete with. Amen. And boy, they're coming out of that temple and Paul's saying, boy, don't you know you could, God, God Jesus Christ has done an exploration he, you know, he went, he went out on an exploring phase here, and he wants you. He wants to be in your temple. Oh, wait a minute. Wait, whoa, 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 whoa. No, man, I've been an addict all my life. Preacher, you don't know, well, pre, pre, you don't know what I was thinking before I came in here. Pre, whoa, preacher, I, I just got out of the bed of adultery last night. God don't care. He don't want to clean you up. He, before, you don't have to get healthy before you can be holy. If you can become holy, he can make you healthy. God's not trying to put you on a trial run. That's why you go back to our going deeper series this week. We didn't deal with, we, with Ephesians 2.8. He declared that before he said that you were his workmanship in verse 10. He leveled the playing field and said, Now understand, you're going to be my workmanship, but this don't have anything to do with you. For by grace have you been saved. Not of yourself. It's a free gift of God so you couldn't run around and brag about it. The exploration phase. I, I could preach all morning on that. Let me give you the second thing. He was looking for a place to build his temple. And you were that place. Isn't that amazing? I mean, turn to that person and say, I'm the place. Boy, isn't that uncomfortable? Don't you hate when preachers do that? You know why you hate it? Because you're like, preacher, I can't be the place. Oh, Pastor, I, I, I couldn't be the place. Pa Pastor, I know what I struggle with. And God doesn't. He looked at Paul, who was a murderer, who had a declaration to kill anybody who was in the way of Christ. And he looked at him and said, I believe I can do something with you, Paul. W would you like to be the temple of the Holy Ghost? So we've gone through this sermon today. Maybe you're trying to just find the place where do I connect at where where do I start and if we can help you with that journey please let us please contact us uh, contact us let us know how we can be a blessing to you pray how to pray for your family how to make a difference in your life it would be our honor and our joy thank you for joining us today we would like to take a moment to thank our sponsors that made this program possible Bayou Shirts. At Bayou Shirts, we offer quick, friendly, quality service for all your t-shirt needs. Check us out today at BayouShirts.com for information on all the services we can provide. Tamping Ground Coffee Shop in downtown Alexandria. If you're looking for a great place to hang out or have a break and a wonderful cup of coffee, please stop by and see Jeff and thank him for his support of our ministry.
At FCA, we're touching millions one heart at a time. Since 1954, the Fellowship of Christian Athletes has been putting the heart and soul in sports by challenging athletes and coaches to impact the world for Jesus Christ. As the largest sports ministry in the world, FCA now reaches over 2 million people annually on the professional, college, high school, junior high, and youth levels. Through this shared passion for athletics and faith, lives are changed one heart at a time. Learn more at fca.org. 